0: Hello, my name is Rebecca Rees and welcome to Digital Dissect, the podcast that observes and breaks open the music industry through the lens of digital analysis. Because I'm on a quest to make sense of the changing digital landscape by exploring questions like, how is digital media changing the culture of creative industries? And how do we take advantage of a new type of economic market that is exposing new sources of value and growth? Today I'm joined by my good friend and singer-songwriter Jack-Louis Cooper to help introduce the themes as we dive into Digital dissect and the narratives that will be interesting to explore throughout the next few episodes. In his work, such as in the release of his latest EP, A Slow But Sure Corner, Jack twists the singer-songwriter label with his hazy world of reverb drenched in honesty, so it's no surprise that he treated the ongoing COVID-19 lockdown in much the same way. We discuss how he used the empty hours to create a podcast on Instagram, discussing mental health in young male creatives, and his work as a youth mentor. It's an extremely turbulent time to exist as a freelancer, and as the digitalisation of the industry becomes increasingly apparent, New questions on both the morality and practicality side of a new economy must be considered, and with that comes the need for a new perspective. Having further completed a popular music degree at the University of Gloucestershire, Jack can offer a musician's perspective on this data-driven landscape, which is vital for survival in an economy where the rug never quite seems to stay under your feet. Jack, welcome to Digital Dissect. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: How are you doing? How is 2021 treating you so far?
1: It's not too bad. I mean, sort of adjusting to the third lockdown, to be honest, and um, just trying to get my head around how I am approaching this year now as well, having you know, gone through all the ups and downs of last year.
0: I think we learned a lot from last year. Which is really helping us navigate this time, but at the same time, it's it's quite hard to find the motivation to keep going with it. But I think we are a little bit more resilient, and hopefully, there are positive times ahead.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think you try and I think now with it's like a third national lockdown, and everyone's a bit more used to it. That doesn't mean it's any easier, maybe, but but you maybe have more scope for how to um, deal with certain things with it.
0: Absolutely. What has lockdown been for you? Where have you been?
1: Well, I've been in Bristol for the last year, lockdown in my house with my housemates. And then over Christmas, I came back to my parents' house in Southampton and I'm uh, still there at the moment. So that's sort of been a a change of scene that I really needed. And I suppose I've I've made a new, I've bubbled um, with my parents. So it's sort of, it's it's helped my mindset, definitely.
0: It's nice to get that change of scenery and... I guess that kind of helps creativity as well. You're surrounded by different things. There's different inspirations. It's not the same four walls anymore. You freelance helping young people get creative in schools and academies in Bristol, don't you? And we spoke at around April time last year during lockdown one so long ago um, for my publication called Creative Ritual, where you said that helping people stay curious and interested in music and having a bit of perspective Helps with your own mental health um how did this mindset carry you throughout the rest of the
1: year a lot of the work that I do with the freelance stuff uh started again in September so that mindset helped uh when we were able to do uh in-person sessions but again the, the second lockdown came in November so um it sort of got taken away again and was a bit more tricky um but we've been able to do sessions online as well
0: so what sort of things do you do in these sessions? Because you're actually going into schools in non-COVID times, weren't you? And and working, what kind of ages were you working with?
1: Um, so predominantly 10 to 16. Um, and then when we go into schools, it was predominantly like year six classes. So about 10 years old, I think. What we do in the sessions is quite a range of things. It's it's because uh, I work with a place called Noel West Media Centre. They specialize in art and tech and lots of different creative pursuits so some sessions we go in and we would have laptops and ipads and they can make music or we would record sounds from the playground and then they make um yeah they just they just make a song out of it um some sessions are about creating stuff that can be laser cut at the media center into like little figurines that they can make and stuff and to be honest that it's all about giving young people an opportunity to try something they may not have tried before and that they don't have to feel um there's no pressure there's no um if if it's there's no like good or bad or wrong or right it's just sort of give it a go and, and see what you can create really
0: and I guess with this moving online it's been quite tricky because you're providing resources to these people and I suppose how have you seen them manage how have you seen um younger people's creativity or just motivation change during the pandemic um kind of different to your own being a bit older
1: I think some some of them have found it alright going on to onto like video calls and stuff um some definitely struggle much more with the concentration of it uh it's even hard you know as like adults to to concentrate for a long period of time on 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 different calls and stuff um but um, the good majority of them have adapted like really well and that's one of the things we like talk about after the sessions with the people who run it so that's been a very like positive experience but you can feel now in this third lockdown that because the schools are closed, they are online all day. And then if they come to an after school thing, which is mostly what, what these sessions will be, it's quite draining for them to also then do another hour and a half of staring at a screen, being told stuff and everything.
0: Absolutely. A bit of Zoom fatigue. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> um, definitely. So the reason you kind of help out, these young children is because you are also a musician how has lockdown been creatively what are the main projects you're focusing on at the moment or were over the past year
1: yeah creatively it's, it's definitely up and down in the sense that you have some periods where you feel very creative and some periods where you just don't and that that was that happens in like before COVID and everything, but I do remember initially feeling very uninspired because nothing is changing in your life. Nothing is moving around and uh, for any kind of spark of inspiration, you're just in the same room doing the same thing or in the same routines. But I had, I was sitting on music that I'd recorded in the, in 2019 and had planned for sort of a spring around spring of 2020 to release and to do like a gig or just multiple gigs and you know the sort of usual push of a release but that got pushed back because it didn't feel right to release it at that time but once you kind of accepted that this was sort of the way things were going to be for a bit I sort I started getting a bit more into writing a few new things and I'm always sort of working on something at least so that sort of helped me through certain periods where I'm just sort of Diving into a new thing and, and seeing how it goes, but then so yeah, I, I ended up releasing um my my EP, a slow but short corner, but in the autumn of 2020 instead. But um, I kind of had to figure out, reimagine how I would do it all uh, given given the context that the whole world was in.
0: So as you say, you were planning to release in April. You ended up releasing in the kind of autumn time. Um, why did you choose to change your strategy? Was this personal? Were you looking at consumer activity online around other artists' releases? Um, what was the the thinking behind that? Yeah,
1: well, I think you know, to be perfectly honest, we're, because I'm a I'm a, I'm an independent and a, and a smaller artist that when I release music, it's not as imperative to when a big artist would have to postpone their album release like that was happening at the start of 2020. Because there's there's more stakes to that. Personally, I, I just was like, I, I didn't feel in in, in a strong headspace to to push something out in the in the spring of 2020 because I was trying to adjust to the whole to everything. And and yeah, and partly I just it, it felt kind of weird to be self promoting, you know, in, in a very difficult time. And then I think by sort of August September, looking at the autumn, I felt like. I don't want to wait for so long and sit on this music. So I I just, um, and I feel a bit stronger to, to, to put this out. So I think my creativity got better after I put it out because I just, it sort of, I was able to just let it go a little bit because sometimes that just really helps. And then I started focusing on other projects and other songs and that, So that really helps.
0: Yeah, I think you definitely have to think about yourself during those times. Um, During the first lockdown, I was working at the label still. I worked at Cooking Vinyl Mm. and I saw two sides of the coin. So we had some really physically driven artists. So for example, the Psychedelic Furs, they were supposed to release their comeback album, Made of Rain, in May. And they ended up pushing it back to October because the whole consumerism concept and idea during a time where companies were going bust people were losing their jobs people were really financially unstable it was really tough to try and promote your work and get people to pay for it during that time Um, but on the flip side i was working with an artist called lewis watson and creativity just absolutely boomed i mean from The first week of the national lockdown, he was doing work from home FM, which was him on Twitch for three hours every single day, playing songs he liked during performances. And his album was also due out in May. And we still ran with it because he managed to gather a really great fan base through Twitch that mm. translated to his album coming out and he yeah. was much more digital driven it he wasn't focusing or relying on a physical product so yeah, yeah there's two sides to that coin and mm. obviously not everyone in the first week of lockdown could run with their creativity everyone needed to take a step back reevaluate mm. what's going on so it's really interesting uh to think about it from the musician's point of view, as well as maybe how consumers are engaging Mm. or dealing uh, with the lockdown, because obviously there was such a huge influx of people just on social media because they had nothing else to do. Yeah, Um, People were feeling lost. they had never had that much time to sit with their own thoughts. Did you kind of wonder whether you wanted to add to that influx or not?
1: Self-promoting anyway on on social media, personally, I feel is a fine line I don't just want to post sometimes for the sake of posting. I want to give something of value. And yeah, in the first few weeks of lockdown, when everybody's maybe posting kind of lots of random stuff and just how about their lives or whatever. So yeah, sometimes you just don't feel like you. it's necessary to, to, to push, push yourself if you've got the choice. You know, again, I think it's, it's important to distinguish, you know, I'm not working with a label or I'm not working with, uh, management or any or, or anybody that is saying right, we we must get this out by this certain date. I'm setting my own agenda, so I suppose with that freedom at that point, I didn't feel as comfortable. But also, yeah, myself, I didn't feel like I wanted to push it out. I didn't feel strong enough to push myself out into the world like that that I did later in the year.
0: So your EP is out. You've had a brilliant. Response to it. Um, you've got some really fantastic videos as well that you managed to shoot um, during 2020. Mm. Um, but do you feel worried about the future of working in a creative industry, whether this be creatively or economically, you know, making it viable for you? Has 2020 made you reevaluate anything? How do you feel?
1: Um, well, I think, yeah, even before 2020 working, trying to be a musician and a freelance youth facilitator is not a stable career move anyway. So there's an element of, well, you have already signed up for this kind of thing and that's just how it is sometimes. And you just have to accept it a little bit. That's not to say if it gets like really tough and really difficult, that you don't make a change or you don't question it. But it hasn't changed my view about the future as much, maybe because I already—it's already like stepping onto a kind of wobbly boat already. Because you know, the honest truth is, if you are a smaller artist, you're not making money from from what you're doing. It's a different ball game that you're playing compared to maybe people who are may, who who are in a higher up positions or, or different positions to you. So, but the one thing I think has been slightly worrying about it is the, is the live element the live sector being absolutely squashed by the pandemic I think that affects all musicians that affects everyone from the top to the bottom sort of thing and I think possibly that is the slight trepidation because I can still release music I can still write and record music but I can't really have that important live experience where you connect with people in a
0: room. Yeah, being able to play live is such a important part of an artist's value proposition, essentially, you know, the biggest way to market yourself in new scenes um, and meet your fans. And, you know, mm. we're in an era where we're, we're all becoming a bit disconnected. Um, communication isn't as strong as it used to be, and you want to be able to, you know, music as a communication-based industry Um, but there's also been a lot of innovation and we're we're in a digital world now and had this pandemic been at any other time it could be a lot, lot harder. So Mm. this podcast does aim to look at new trends and sort of break apart the digital landscape and the way our industry is changing and the new potential that it provides for music makers and industry professionals whether this be in startups or corporate work and how it is providing new opportunities, especially during really dark times when, you know, one half of our industry is, is just not functioning at all. Um, and so I want to come back to technology here and ask you, how do you think it has disconnected our society? Or do you think the opposite? And did 2020 change your opinion on this?
1: When you say technology as well, do are, are you talking about like social media, or are you talking about the ease of 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 being able to release music on Spotify? Is it or is it just sort of as a whole?
0: As a whole, so definitely like you know your ability to be able to record music and distribute it onto these DSPs, but also social media and your ability to communicate. Obviously, we recently we spoke about how. It's caused an influx, and you know everyone's on social media. There's so much content now, mm. but yes, in terms of being able to make music and connect with people, how do you feel?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it is. It, it, do, it does feel hard. It feels hard to make a real connection with people. I think that's actually probably at the core of, of it. I think that yes, there's the there's the whole uh, thing of social media, the internet, and releasing onto onto streaming services is all fantastic and social media gives you this conversation that you can have potential fans potential people that would like to listen to your music but yeah but then there's there's just loads of people doing that and 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 you're in a a sea of people and, and sometimes that's a bit difficult to stick out from so I feel it depends it depends what style of music you're doing it depends what kind of artist you are it depends the angle you're coming from but definitely for me I feel that my kind of music and the person I am and and what I, I want to make a connection with people. And I think that maybe the most honest connection I can make with people is through actually being in a room with them and seeing them and talking to them. And that would come through live gigs and stuff. That's not to say I can't, you can't do that to a certain extent on social media or through Spotify and through live streams or zoom or whatever it is. But there's, I think, I think there's a hollowness sometimes to, to social media. And again, it's just not, that's not to discredit the, the, there's amazing positivity and, and great stuff that you can put out, uh, that you can connect with people, but there's some, it does It does feel like a wash of like hollowness because it could be like kind of point scoring or trying to get the most likes or trying to be the, the flashiest. And actually that doesn't create a connection. So there's this illusion that we're all connected. There's this illusion that you can speak to your fans or whatever. But I don't know, again, I want to give something of value. Sometimes that's harder to come by, especially in the last year where it's all literally all uh, based online.
0: So how do you keep yourself authentic? How do you, I suppose, not surrender yourself to the hollowness? How do you stay authentic and, and build a brand and sell mm-hmm. yourself as a musician, but staying true to yourself?
1: Well, I think it's staying true to yourself. I think I've, I've really re- uh, realised that in the last year, that the posts or the content that I made whether that's videos or photos or conversations, whatever, I want it to be something that I would want to see myself and that is true to what I believe or think or think uh, is is offering something, again, of value. Social media can sometimes feel very, uh, you know, it's gone in 24 hours kind of feeling, push something of value into the world or to to your audience.
0: How do you feel about um, social media being able to connect you with other musicians and perhaps reach people from other countries that, you know, it's expensive to go and play live abroad. We've now got Brexit, you know, Mm. there's so many barriers cropping up for you to actually physically meet people. Do you think that digital media and social media and different new, um, worldwide forms of communication have helped?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, um, I think being able to connect with other musicians is is just fantastic and i've sort of recently in this, in the new year have been trying to contact other musicians to write with and to work with. I've done some like a zoom kind of songwriting uh, sort of session with some other people, and so it's fantastic It's, it's, it's like your main way of, of connecting. Uh, to get a new project moving, or to get a new idea moving, and actually, again, so it's this double <laughs> double-edged sword sort of thing. It's that's a fantastic element of of social media, and um, uh, I, I kind of want to push that more myself. That's one of the things I want to focus on in in twenty twenty one is discovering new musicians, but striking up like a conversation with them so that I could and I could possibly work with them on different things.
0: And obviously, changes in tech has allowed you to be able to record from home. You know, Mm. you you can buy the equipment that you need. You can record everything just in your laptop, and this is so much more accessible than paying a lot of money to go to a studio or or get someone to help you out. Um, And as an independent musician um, and as a creative, you've you know creatively directed a lot of your own music videos. You've got people on board to help shoot them or perhaps you shot them from your phone what technical skills do you think musicians should adopt in order to create content
1: well I think uh, maybe it's the attitude or mindset of just trying something out so instead of like saying you have to adopt these certain list of skills it's saying well in the context that you're in you need a music video. So I had that in the, in the summer. I really wanted to do a music video for one of the singles and I couldn't get someone to come film it. I couldn't be in the same room as anybody other than my household. All that sort of stuff. So I kind of said, well, what do I have at my disposal? I have an iPhone. Not even like an iPhone 5 that everybody ridicules. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> um, and it's got a camera. I've got an idea and I've got some recording equipment or or a microphone or whatever. And yeah, I did like a a home lockdown video, um, which I was actually quite proud of. And and I've got some software on my computer to to, to edit it. And so it's kind of like, instead of going, I don't know, I'm not like, I don't, I have not done this before, whatever. It's just like, I should try this skill and 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 see um i think if you're primarily based around other social media platforms like tiktok and um and instagram reels and all that sort of stuff then you know obviously there's certain elements to that about like even having like lighting rigs and and different tripods and and all that and understanding just how to get the best kind of video but a lot of it's trial and error and um that's actually kind of quite fun about the creative process of it
0: I think we're both guilty of trying to get the best of the best um, videographers to help us with our work with, you know, top equipment, gimbals, you know, they know how to edit. Um, And all of this is great, but all of this costs money. And especially in a pandemic, you can't get access to it. And actually, last year, so many people were trying to learn new skills, trying to fill their time differently and take this time to do things they'd always wanted to do, but they'd put off or they hadn't found the time to do. And, you know, YouTube is your best friend. I have learned so many editing skills through watching hours and hours of YouTube. Um, And it's, you know, if, if you're curious enough, you're, you're able to learn and use the internet as much as you can to learn about lighting, different angles, shooting, how to edit audio, um how to set up a microphone, anything, you know there's always ways of doing things, and especially if you're independent and you know your style, you know your brand, it's also helping you be authentic because you have control over the process mm. as well as the outcome.
1: hundred percent, yeah, and I think it, you know it can be incredibly frustrating that not to gloss over elements of that, but but actually there's so much at your disposal if you're able to narrow down onto a specific thing. It could be really good.
0: So once you've made all this content, going back to social media, have you learned the best ways to harness social media for you and for marketing purposes? Have you found a way to do this rather than investing and spending money on paid advertising?
1: Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, I, d- I don't know if I have. I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, it's quite fickle To sometimes, i say, to... to um, to try and like make content and push it out and get the most sort of likes or shares, not as I'm not doing it to get the most likes, but to get traction on it, to get people watching or interacting with it. Um, when I've done some videos, I've had some, what I quite like is the, is, is people maybe comment on it. And then, you know, that's, I would just saying something nice or or, or what they thought of it. And I, I I like that because it kind of creates a bit of a dialogue. To be honest, as, as an independent musician with limited money, it's quite a balance and a bit of a fight in your head of what you do to get the most engagement, I think.
0: Um, I think trying to harness the algorithm, trying to work out the algorithm is definitely a bit of a game, something that requires a knack. And trying to convert these one hits into people that constantly return for your content is really hard. Um, And I think that's when you have to enlist a team around you Maybe that's when you sign to a label, you know, when you really start to dig into the strategy behind how you're releasing. Um, But hopefully throughout this podcast, we're going to learn so much more around that. And I guess, do you know the difference at the moment between just your followers and between those fans actively engaging? Um, Do you try and target them? Do you try and incentivize them to spend money or actively attend your live stream or stream your music? how big is this pool of people what do you wish you could change about it how do you feel about the people that are engaging with you online
1: yeah I feel that I'm working within a fairly small bubble at the moment and that's a bubble of people you know obviously like friends and family and then there's an outer circle kind of thing and but it, it is fairly limited at the moment for my for, for me and yeah it, it, it's tricky I think I definitely could go more deeper into those kind of things of how to engage with them and how to, what would be the best strategy maybe on, on, on on social media or on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. You you want a team around you to be able to delegate those roles because as a songwriter and as like a creator, my job and, you know, and then I'm trying to, to market it and, you know, You could argue either way of what's the best thing to do and whatnot. But I, yeah, I think it can be challenging when you try and take it on all for yourself. That doesn't mean I don't try and look for certain areas I can target or age groups or the analytics from your streams and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it can be a bit fickle to to figure out.
0: Yeah, I mean, this podcast talks to loads of different creatives, but I wanted to get you on to bring a music maker's perspective. So it is really interesting to hear what you want to learn more about. And I guess I want to ask what sectors do you feel are most gatekept by the industry and you would like to know more about? So I'm thinking, you know, labels, artist services, maybe DSPs, or maybe it is digital marketing, or, you know, what new techs out there sync publishing? What Areas do you feel are most gatekept, and you don't know much about?
1: Well, I I don't know because because again, the internet is so uh, like there's a wide range of stuff on YouTube about you know those kind of things. If if I typed in about sync, um, and then there's probably I imagine there's a video about sync licenses or or something like that. I think maybe management sort of stuff um, and 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 how labels operate. I think what what's intriguing is the decision-making behind investing in an artist, maybe I think that's that's uh, less well-known, but that's probably something a bigger company or a bigger label you know, doesn't want to share as much. But I, for me, I think that's quite interesting because as an independent, you're sort of floating around and, and you hear about these stories of people who had 10 streams on SoundCloud and somehow got found by uh, whoever... Um, and then now you see them now and they're signed and they've got whatever. Or you 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 hear that the, the narrative is um, you need to have had releases and good social media presence and labels want to pick you up when you are already moving and already have a, a thing. So there is a kind of mystery around that. There is a mystery around maybe how labels operate and how A&R kind of things happen nowadays because it's not just like they went to a gig and they signed this band and now they're famous kind of thing. It's not that simple. Um, but again, there's a lot of, you know, online resources, uh, for, for lots of different areas.
0: I think also once, um, you are in a label, there's so many different agreements you can make deals, you can sign. Um, there's so much complexity to it. It's not a surprise really that it is a little bit shut off. Yep. Um, but I imagine as a musician, it's really frustrating because you want to know what all your options are. You want to know what realistic goals are. Maybe if you knew more about labels, you wouldn't even want to be thinking about <laughs> your potential to join them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I, not I've, I've never been super, super keen about, like it's not my suit, my my one goal to get onto a label or anything. It's it, it's what what is the best next step for me to take to make this a viable option for me, whether that is I can earn this, this option, which is, I don't know, a sync deal where my music is played on an advert gives me enough money to live and create, which means then I can invest in other things, you know? So it's sort of like, or if it is a label, great. Um, It's just that, yeah, it's sometimes it can be a bit shrouded in mystery.
0: So, say you're making uh, a financially viable career from music you're raking in the cash <laughs> um what questions do you have around music royalties do you know exactly how this cash flow works does it scare you that maybe you don't have loads of knowledge about it if you don't is is does that feel like a barrier to you being able to make it viable
1: yeah I, I think the so the distributors that I've gone through i've gone through two different distributors to get onto spotify and Apple music and on the streaming services um they they lay it out fairly fairly clearly for some kind of royalties and because i you know i uh, the, again the cold hard truth is that i haven't earned enough to to be kind of uh yeah living off of any of it or i've just used the money to 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 invest back into another project. So uh, if a release beforehand gains some, just a bit of money, then it goes straight back into paying for it to get onto the platform and again for a new project. So they they do lay it out and they do, you can request, you know, payments and stuff, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I suppose I don't know the absolute ins and outs of how the royalty system works. And, but I do know that the narrative of Spotify giving so little to music makers and musicians is, is is tricky, and and it I feel like it's a system that can benefit if you're again right at the top, but it's very tricky to get a foothold uh, if you're towards the bottom, and knowing a little bit more might help understand how to attack it a bit
0: as i was saying there's obviously a lot of different types of deals and it is very complex um the way royalties flow for different deals and so obviously there is this narrative with distributors that you've used they'll take a much smaller cut than a label will and there's been the parliamentary talks requesting record labels to be a little bit more transparent in what they are paying artists so let's forget labels for now (laughs) In terms of publishing, would you sign to a publisher who can help you get songwriting opportunities and your music played in new territories? Would you sign to a publisher for this reason? Does it not really phase you?
1: I don't know. I, again, I think it would be on the condition what conditions it would be on. I think that would be the, that would be the, the the sort of what I would be weighing up in my head. So whether that's about how much that could help me what financially it would be uh whether i you know about the the ownership of 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 my music and stuff there would be all the all those considerations so i wouldn't say no but i wouldn't jump in and go yes of course sort of thing it would be in context to i suppose where i'm trying to go next and you know it might just be yes you need you need someone else i to give you a publishing deal to to get in front of a different kind of uh, audience and, and different space.
0: Yeah, I think as you go along, if you see spikes in different territories, for example, you see, I don't know, some random plays popping up in Canada. I think signing with a publisher or even getting a deal, a record deal just in Canada can really be beneficial for navigating that landscape and finding out Mm. the best ways to monetize your work, finding out the local opportunities. Um, So it's interesting to hear your perspective. You're independent now and and what your expectations are for the future and your general opinion on the music industry today. Um, So this has been great. Um, I thought it would be interesting to bring in some questions from some listeners through a survey I circulated in response to the digital economy about the digital landscape and I wanted to get your opinion on them. So we're taking it back to COVID. Do you think COVID will cause a complete cultural reset in the way we consume the arts or do you think maybe it might start to cancel them out one by one?
1: That's a big question. I don't think Well, it. It, again, it depends on lots of factors. It depends on the, 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 the government's response. You know, do they place value on the arts and and on the, the industries? So cert, certain things, I think certain institutions um, like cinemas, theatres, uh, music venues have been hit so badly that they they might not be able to recover, which is really sad. And I, I think culturally and, and, and musically, Things come from very hard times, you know. Art is made from human experience of very difficult times. So I always feel that that will get pushed, and people will still create. And there's all these these ways. There's all these ways of 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 creating just on your laptop, which is fantastic. How that translates into the broader industry that is just obviously really hard to know. I think it needs people to realise the value of music and arts and things like that. They're not just it's not just a luxury to have. Um, it's like a f- almost this sort of fundamental to who, who we are in a country or who we are and how we, how we sort of live our lives.
0: I think it's really devastating to swallow how much devastation has happened over the past year to, yeah, not only the music industry, but cinema, you know, other creative industries. And absolutely, like, it's about us all being valued By the people that consume creativity, but ultimately there are so many creative people around the world that need an outlet, will always find a way to be creative because it's so imperative to them to their well-being, to their mental health to them as a person Um, there's always going to be arts, there's always going to be culture I think the way that it's valued going forward is very important, it's at such a critical turning point and I think we all have an opportunity to have a bit of a cultural reset coming out of the pandemic as to how we value what we change and to make it a much more sustainable and beneficial place for everyone involved.
1: 100%. And I think that that is also just slightly across the board outside of arts and music is is that there is an element of, I suppose, of a reset of what the pandemic has done is exposed the fragilities of society and all and and everybody's lives so if you are if you have this thing in your life that is difficult you can squash it without the pandemic but in a lockdown it just amplifies it it amplifies that the nhs needed is is at breaking point or it amplifies that people are homeless you know all, all these sort of things and actually i genuinely believe this a big positive that we can take out of this sort of very difficult time is is reassessing things like that. Is is what value do we want to put on things like music, arts, how we treat other people, how we treat communities, all that sort of stuff. That is um, that can be a and we can we we can do something about that. We can affect that. So there is there are actual immense positives to take from what obviously has been a very difficult time.
0: It's absolutely amplified and surfaced the questions and the problems and the issues that we can't ignore anymore, you know, yeah. from the Black Lives Matter movement that amplified yeah. itself in June to even music streaming in the music industry. And with this podcast, I'm absolutely hoping to delve into the issues that have been broken open during this time and in the advancements of a digital economy. And so in terms of digital the economy, the landscape, new tech, all of it. What questions do you have about the future of culture in terms of digital?
1: If the traditional ways of consuming culture, like at a at a music venue, at a cinema, at a theatre, like the actual physical places are going under, how does technology influence? You know, how will technology adapt that going forward? And you could easily say like live streams or or, or whatever, but. I feel like there'll be another, you know, an evolution of that. Like, what is that evolution? Is Can you still have a, a genuine connection, a genuine experience if the gigs or the culture that you do are just consumed in your living room watching on the TV? Because same with, like, the, the, the cinema. I think it was um, Warner Brothers released their whole film catalogue for 2021. They're going to release it on their streaming service or HBO Max or something like that as well as the cinema so you don't you know you can just in- see all the new releases from your house so how does that affect the the relationship the connection the enjoyment of all of this and you know does that mean technologies will take that on or 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 hinder it all those kind of things
0: i think enjoyment is the key word there how do you yeah how do we get to another level where we keep engaging people when we are fatigued by being online all the time? Because I am really feeling that. Yeah. Now we're in another year. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely expect there will be another level. There's so many exciting new startups coming out to make the industry more sustainable. But how are we going to make it more engaging?
1: Yeah, yeah, because because exactly because if you've spent all day on Zoom calls and then you're like. I want to see this new movie I want to go see this new uh, my favourite artist play uh, and it's another live stream that's not awful you know you can still do that but there's the sense of occasion of of going out to a venue a local venue and seeing a community there you know
0: absolutely so it's about community connections yeah keeping it all together um, I think that's a really great note to end on and um, I'd be really interested to hear from you again a few episodes down the line. See what you've learned, um, and see if you've managed to use any of it to kind of make your own working practices as a musician more sustainable. You know, giving you a better insight into the whole ecosystem and how everything's shifting. So, thank you so much for giving me your insights and being on today.
1: I oh, know, thank you for having me. And, yeah, I'm kind of I'm interested to see uh what else uh you sort of talk about and bring up on the on the podcast so yeah thanks for having me
0: thank you so much to jack for joining me to introduce the podcast series and understand his views as a music maker on industry standards and best practices and what he would like to learn more about in 2021 if you like that conversation and find yourself resonating with Jack's questions, then please subscribe to Digital Dissect on the podcast app of your choice for free to be notified when the next episode drops. Please get involved at RebeccaReese.org with your thoughts and opinions, and follow digital.dissect on Instagram to join in the journey as we navigate the complexities of the music industry. Please go and give a review as it helps others find the podcast much easier. Thank you again to Jack and all of the team in my show notes.